Um, I have another standalone message, which is uncommon because I like to do series. It helps us stay focused. And what I realized is this, the standalone messages that I've spoken all have a theme. (laughs) So maybe next year I'll put them in a series together. But today's title, the message is this, revive us again. Revive us again. That's our prayer. That's what I believe our church should focus on in this season. I know that many things have changed in the culture, in our social circles, in our world, in our nation over this last year with the pandemic that we faced and with all the different things that have happened. Um, churches have not yet gotten back to 100% of their pre-COVID numbers. We have empty chairs in our building, and um, I understand all that goes into that. Having said that, I believe that God is on the move. And I really, truly believe that if his people would focus on him and not their circumstance, that he would truly give them what they're praying for, which is a spiritual revival. I want you to turn your uh, Bibles with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, Jesus stands up and he speaks. uh, And what he says there, obviously all the words of Christ are important. But these words are significant for the message today. Because it really is the catalyst for what led me in this direction. It says this in verse 37 of John 7. On the last day of the feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. Your Bible may say the Feast of Booths. We'll talk about that in just a moment. It says, the great day, which is the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, pay attention. He says, this was said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were yet to receive. They had not yet received, for as the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me repeat the exact words. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart or her heart, will flow rivers of living water. As I studied this scripture passage, I thought that it would be important to give you a little context. In fact, I had a conversation with one of my previous students recently when I was a Bible teacher, and he quoted the phrase that I've said probably dozens, maybe hundreds of times, which is context deepens our understanding of the content. So knowing what's going on inside of the passage before you just read the passage is important. How many of you could stand up and give me an explanation of what the Feast of Tabernacles is? Anybody? Okay, maybe one. All right. But I'm going to help you this morning understand what the context is of Jesus saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I read these words and I understand this, and we've said it many times before, but we repeat it again today. Your skin color doesn't matter. Your economy doesn't matter. 
the things that you've survived or triumphed or walked through, those experiences, none of that matters when it comes to whether you are thirsty or not. Jesus said you can come to him when you are thirsty and receive from him. The kingdom of God is not supposed to be all white, all black, all Asian. It's not supposed to be all rich, all poor. It's supposed to be people of every color, of every tribe, of every social and economic circle and status. So if anyone is thirsty, what a blessed thought that is. No matter the sin that you've committed in your past, if you're thirsty, you can come to Christ and receive from him. There's only one qualification, and that is being thirsty. How many of you will know the reference without me ex- explaining it? And that is stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> okay, some of you have seen that, those commercials. I wanted to title the message that, and then I thought, well, somebody might talk to me about it after church. So I said, let's call it Revive Us Again, okay? But I want us to stay thirsty. I believe Jesus wants us to stay thirsty as well. If anyone is thirsty, notice there that that phrase is really important. It doesn't say if anyone is qualified, if anyone went to the right school, if anyone has the right training or the right level of maturity. It just says if anyone. What a powerful, powerful thought that all we have to do is come to him and ask The truth is, those who are heartbroken can come to him and receive from him. Those who are dealing with shame or regret or issues current, past, or frustrations and worries about the future can come to him. I think we are all born thirsty. I think that's evident if you've ever met a newborn. We're all born thirsty. And I believe innate inside of us, built inside of the human spirit, is a spiritual thirst as well. I think our souls were created by God intentionally. And I don't just think that, but I know that according to God's word, that he with purpose and intentionality designed each and every one of us in this room today. And when he did that, he created us with a thirst inside of us. Jesus' invitation to come to him and to drink. It's not a sample. It's not a little tiny bit. I know, did did y'all see like Sam's Club? They actually have samples now. It's pretty cool that we're going back to that. They're robots giving you samples, but regardless, uh, it's pretty neat to be back in those days. Uh, I remember being a chubby little kid wearing husky-sized pants going into Sam's Club uh, with my parents and me walking circles around the aisle and going back to the nice little lady to get another little sample cup of whatever it was, sausage or crackers or whatever. It's not just a tiny little two-ounce cup Jesus is offering to his people. He says, if you come to me and you're thirsty, I will give you something to drink and you will have rivers of living water flowing out from you. What could that possibly do? You, you yourself, having a river of living water coming out of you. I think of the old song, Spring Up a Well Within My Soul. 
when we have rivers of living water coming out of us, it impacts other people who are thirsty. And we truly, we truly need revival. I believe the church of America needs revival. I believe the churches of Clinton, Mississippi need revival. I believe our church needs revival. But when I say that, I'm not speaking in the southern context of let's put a board up outside that says revival speaker July 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I'm talking about something that happens when God intentionally meets his people in a supernatural way. And it can seem somewhat spontaneous, but there's one one thing that sparks revival. I'm going to share with you a message today that's just, it's got a single point. <laughs> that's it. I've whittled it down to one thing, and I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. But I want to tell you about what the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths was that the Israelites or the Jewish people were celebrating. So in the context of what we've read, Jesus is in Jerusalem during this feast, and it's a week-long celebration where the people of Israel were celebrating and remembering how God had helped them during their wandering in the wilderness, how he had provided for them not only food, but also water. You can read the story of what God did supernaturally for his people in the book of Exodus. And as part of the holiday or the remembrance and the feast, a priest would carry water from a certain place in the city of Jerusalem, and he would bring it to the altar. And when he did, he would pour it out there on the altar. And it was this thought, there was this thought behind it that God's provision of water for Israel continues to this day, to the day of this feast. So as the priest would pour out that water on the altar, it's imagined by scholars and those who've written commentaries that it's at this moment that Jesus, who's been delayed by a few days, now he's come into the city, he's been teaching, and he rises from his spot as the water is being poured and said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me for a drink. Jesus Christ truly was the fulfillment of this Feast of Tabernacles. So not only water and food, but shelter. The reason why they had these booths, or what we call tabernacles, they were these little shanties, like little dwellings, and they still today, Orthodox Jews build these in their backyards and eat in them. Some even sleep in them during this festival or feast time. It was to remember how God had brought them out of where they were into the promised land. During the last day of the feast, that great day, the priests would circle the altar and they would repeat over and over again a single verse from the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. Psalm 118 verse 25. And it says this, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. It was a thought written by the psalmist, a desire that God would bring salvation to his people, that he would save them, not only out of their circumstance, but out of the, out of the future damnation that they would face, surely without his help. So it was a cry for God himself to show up and to save them. So knowing that is really helpful 
because you think to yourself, wow, that's kind of random. Jesus just stands up in the middle of a crowded place and says, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. But there was a spiritual significance to what he was doing in that moment, being the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, I really truly believe it's that God was proving the point that what he had provided for them physically way back when, he was doing so now spiritually in the here and now. How many of you could attribute something in your life to an act of God? You say, I, hands down, I know that God protected me, did this, did that, healed me, provided, whatever it is. So not just the physical, but God is saying through Jesus, his son, that the spiritual can be helped as well. In fact, Jesus claimed this in John chapter 6, verse 35. He says this, he's basically saying that he's the ultimate cure for spiritual hunger and thirst. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The truth is, Jesus is all we need. But sometimes we forget that. Have you ever forgotten that? I've forgotten that a time or two, that he is all we need. And at some point, we end up filling our lives, filling our schedules, filling our minds with all these other things, trying to quench our thirst for him with other drinks, with other foods that can't truly satisfy the spirit, the spirit of a human. Jesus is all we need. Look at what it says in John chapter 4. You're probably familiar with the story, but I love this story. It's about a woman who's from an enemy territory, if you will. She's from a place called Samaria. You can do some research on that. If you've never heard a message on that, um, you can definitely hear tons and tons of them. Samaritans were kind of like what we would say in layman's terms, a mixed breed of people. And so they were looked down upon by the Jewish people and Sumerians, as far as I can see, Samaritans, as far as I can see throughout some of the historical documents, felt the same way against the Jewish people. So there was a lot of animosity. Jesus shows up, though, and has this experience with this woman at a well. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Verse 8 has a little side note. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Another side note. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus replies and says to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
Verse 15 says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. So the water that Jesus obviously is speaking of in that, in that moment is a water that is eternal. It's the only thing that quenches a thirsty soul. And it leads to salvation. I think sometimes we as believers can wake up one day on our spiritual journey. And we've forgotten what it was like when we took that first drink. When we had that first moment of experience with God, when we got to that place where we first ignited, not to make it sound weird, but it first ignited those like romantic sort of feelings, that, that give and take, that I'm now following you, I'm pursuing you, and you're pursuing me. We've forgotten what that moment is like. We've lost sight of that in our busy life, in our busy schedules with all the things that we do, all the things that we must do. It's the living water that Jesus offers that refreshes and revives our soul. I think it's possible, not only possible, but almost guaranteed that every believer will face a moment in their life, in their spiritual walk, where their life becomes stale. I've experienced it. And I know I can't be the only one where there's moments where things just, just there's no feeling there anymore. There's a, a little bit of a rough patch, if you will, to use romantic language. There's this drawing away or this animosity. God didn't come through. He didn't answer the prayer like I wanted him to. And now I draw back. God didn't show up when I needed him most and I draw back. Whatever it may be that causes us to get to that place where we have this staleness in our spiritual journey, I'm here to tell you today, you can come back to him for a fresh drink of that water. I truly believe that our church needs God to come down. We need him to move in a supernatural way. I don't want to keep doing church just to do church. I'm over it. <laughs> That's where I'm at. And I feel like God is stirring inside of me that desire for a renewing, a restoring, a reviving in my heart. And I want him to stir up our people, us as people. The thing is this, you can't expect to show up next Sunday and there be revival without you having pursued him yourself. It doesn't just happen to the group without it happen, happening to you. There's a story of an old preacher. He said, you want God to move? Here's what you do. You draw a circle and you stand inside of it. And you say, God, revive everyone in this circle. Revive everyone. We need it. I don't want to keep doing church as normal and as usual. I want to experience what it was like. I, I deal with teenagers all the time, and I see them as they walk through like the first stages of romantic attraction, and it's hilarious to me, okay? If you can remember what that was like for yourself, it's really kind of funny to see them going through those emotions and those moments, 
But I say that as a stodgy old man who's been married for 14 years. Who, You see what I'm saying? Do you get where I'm going with this? So I feel like maybe it's time that, I hate to keep using uh, romantic language, but that we renew our vows. That we go on a second honeymoon with the Lord. That we experience that passion, that love, that those first feelings again. In fact, Jesus Christ himself said it to the church in Revelation. He said, I want you to go back and do over again what you did at first. I want you to take, take me out on a date. <laughs> I want you to make that experience real again in your life. You know what that does? It opens you up to new experiences in the here and now. It's the same principle that applied to the people of Israel when they built an altar on the bank of a river and said, we'll, we'll talk about this with our kids and our grandkids at some point and tell them this is where God saved us. This is where he met us. This is where he carried us through. Our spiritual life gets stale and we need to be revived again. And here's the thing. I don't think there's ever a problem with the water. It's just that we've started tasting other things. It's just that we've gotten full on other things. I don't think that it's the water that's gotten stale. Are you following along with this thought process? I don't think it's God's fault that we need revival. I think it's the human condition that we are in the place that we drift and we sway and we walk away from his presence. What happened in the very first moments in the garden still happens today. And God may just be saying to you and to I, where are you? Because he wants to ignite that relationship again. To let that experience be fresh and brand new. I really think that our church needs to pursue the Lord and go deeper. Like I said, it's not that we're having to pursue him because he's running away from us. It's that we need to pursue him because we need to get our head clear and get on that right path. We truly need an authentic move of God. But that means that each and every one of us have a responsibility. You have a job to do, a responsibility to seek the Lord on your own. To let revival happen in that circle first before it touches every other life around you. We need a refreshing. Your pastor's in need of a refreshing, a refilling, a renewing, amen? And as I said, revival doesn't really, I truly don't believe that it occurs spontaneously. There are always things that lead up to a move of God. It happens intentionally, and that one thing, that, that spark that ignites it, is the one point I have for you today. And it may be uncomfortable for you. It's a big word. We talk about it sometimes, but I don't think we do it enough. And it is this word, repentance. That's my single point. Repentance. Repentance is the spark that leads to revival. You say, well, we're the people of God. We're saved. I'm going to heaven. Yes, but you still have errors sometimes in your life. Even the best pitcher on the mound in the World Series makes an error. Even the best athlete in the Olympics makes an error. 
There are things that happen even to those who are growing in the right direction that cause us spiritually to need to repent again. And to remind you, repentance is us turning from sin and turning to God, knowing that he's the source of what we need. And I truly believe that repentance leads to revival. Look at what it says in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles. You've heard this verse quoted many times before. It's really powerful. God says he's going to hear from heaven, forgive sin, and heal the land. But he's addressing it not to the world. He's addressing it to his own people. To you and to I. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. In the preceding verses, and I encourage you, read that whole chapter because we take that single verse and we use it, but there's a lot more going on there. Essentially, God says, if there's famine in the land and there's a problem in the land, you can get away from your sin, turn to me, and I'll fix it. If there's issues in the country, turn from those things and turn to me and I'll heal it. That's what God is saying here. So I believe with all of my heart that this applies to you and to I today in our own personal lives. If we, who are called by his name, would humble ourselves and turn from our ways, our wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven. He'll forgive and he'll heal. Look at what Acts chapter 3 Verse 19 and 20 says. It says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That your sins would be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he, he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Repentance leading to times of refreshing. Worship team, if you'd come and join me. Today I want us to practice what I've preached. And you say, well, pastor, I'm not really comfortable with that. (laughs) You're in church, so get comfortable with it. It's a great place to meet with the Lord, amen? Your bedroom is a great place to meet with the Lord. Your car, in fact, there's no bad place to meet with the Lord. He can meet you in a prison cell. He can meet you on the top of a mountain. He can meet you anywhere you call out to him. But I believe today is an awesome opportunity for us to truly experience what repentance is. Say, well, pastor, I can't really think of anything. Well, just give the Holy Spirit 30 seconds. And I promise you, if you're listening, you'll hear something. I was watching a movie recently. And it involved a a gentleman who had committed crimes, plural. And he walks into a Catholic church in the downtown area of a big city. If you're not familiar with the process of a confessional, essentially you get in this little booth that's got this little kind of guarded vision that the priest can't see who you are, doesn't know you by name or anything. You sit in the other side of the booth and you confess your sins. And he began to confess his sins or confess his crimes as it were. And I started to think about the significance of, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that priest. 
who has to listen to you. So the point of it is this. Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is our high priest. That when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That we don't have to confess them to a human. We confess them to God himself. And I want to encourage you to do that today. In fact, I didn't really prep the worship team for this, but I just want you to play and not sing one time through the song. That's okay. Because I think my temptation is when they do this last song at the end of our church service, man, I just, yeah, Jesus. And I sing along to all the words that they're singing. But I want you to actually do something today to move one step closer to the God of all creation who stands ready and willing to revive you. Would you stand? Stand with me today. Maybe it's that you just need space between you and your spouse for a minute. Maybe you whisper. But I would encourage you to use your lips. There's this thought that happened years ago about my private relationship with God means I stay silent in church. That's not true. I want to encourage you to use your lips quietly. Confess your sin to the Lord. Confess your bad attitude. Confess those small errors. Confess anything that comes to your mind that you know doesn't please Him and ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to renew you and to revive you. Ask Him to help you walk through what you're walking through. Let's close our eyes and let's do that today. It's a simple prayer and I'm just going to give you one example and then I'm going to be quiet and go to my seat so that I can actually practice what I preach today too. But it would be a simple prayer like this. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my bad attitude. Heal my heart. Refresh me, renew me, revive me, I pray. That's it. Something that simple spoken from your heart to the Lord. So can we all do that today as the worship team plays through this song? And I'll come and close us out in prayer in a few minutes. But right now, I just want to pray over you before you begin your confession. God, we're in need of you. Thank you for all you've done in our lives. Lord, we come with grateful hearts in your presence. But Holy Spirit, we are so in need of a touch from you. We need a refreshing and a renewing and a reviving of our lives. God, I pray over Celebrate Church that as we begin to confess, Lord, that you would hear the prayers of your people today and that you would truly revive us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And let's go ahead and begin to confess as they play.